You're listening to the voice of Dog. Today's story is the second and final part of Jaeger by Anhedral, a musician and writer whose short stories have appeared in Roar and in Werewolves Verses. Most of his work can be found at furaffinity.net slash user slash Anhedral. Last time, we left Cooper, our werewolf hero and a skilled pilot, coerced into fighting in a human war he'd much rather avoid. He'd destroyed a squadron of enemy planes on the ground, but now he's locked in deadly combat with the dreaded Red Baron high above the fields of war-torn France. Things are not going well. Today's story will also be read for you by Crimson Rari, the Mountain Smith. Please enjoy Jaeger by Anhedral, part two of two. Glossary of German Terms Jasta or Jagdstaffel, a German fighter squadron. Lustreikräfte, the German Air Force, founded in 1916. Bedruckt, literally depressed. Today, we'd probably recognize Bolka's condition as post-traumatic stress disorder. Koffer, abbreviation for Kommandeur der Fliege, basically the German equivalent of Hugh Trenchard as commander of the Royal Flying Corps. I cannot shake the Baron. We've danced for fully 30 minutes. I have the better plane. I know I do. And I've tried every trick I know. But damn it all, I cannot shake him. He's right up underneath my arse again. Will those Spandaus never run out of ammunition? My port wing strut takes a brutal hit. How much more punishment can my poor girl take? And then, quite suddenly, his guns are silent. I need to get a better look. I ease the stick hard right to bank around, and for once I have no trouble closing up on him. In fact, he's not maneuvering at all. No, he's standing in the cockpit, stick between his knees, frantically working the charging handle of his guns. His guns have jammed. It's a gift, and one I cannot squander. It's hardly possible for me to miss. The flyer's body dances in the optics of the Aldis, growing even larger, the first chance I've had to get a half-decent look at the man. Thumbs to the triggers. I'm about to murder the best bloody pilot I've ever come across. Long, pointed muzzle. Large, soft peak ears atop a furry face. No man at all. Shit. My thumb slipped from the triggers. Never, ever harm a wolf. Benumbed, I overshoot him, only avoiding a collision by a last moment twitch of the stick. And then, as I start to circle back around, I pray by all the gods of wolves and men that those damned guns of his stay jammed for just ten more seconds. Turns out, eight is all I need to get alongside him and really, really close. There's no doubt that he can hear me, but he's still messing with the feed belt and declines to glance across. I let off a six-round burst from my top-wing Lewis, just to force the issue. Two pairs of amber eyes lock with one another, not thirty feet apart, high above the blood-drenched fields in that bale and dreadful dawn. I reach a paw over the cockpit's rim, slipstream ruffling my fur, and jab a finger at the ground. Land. He hesitates for but a moment, then nods back in reply. Our descent, it seems unending. I can't stop my paws from trembling. Did Trencher know he was sending me to fight a wolf? Did Trencher know? I don't think he can have known. I've only been like this, the Baron says, gesturing to his pelt of mottled tan and gray, 
for just over three weeks now. My superiors kept it very quiet, and no disrespect. We don't think trenchant spies ever really got that close. Amazingly enough, we'd found a quiet spot to set down our craft before our fuel ran out. A smallish field, but smooth and level enough, surrounded on three sides by dense copses of beech and birch. We made a low pass to scatter the resident sheep, landed side by side, and wheeled the planes out of sight beneath the spreading boughs. What followed was a perversely idyllic scene, just two fellow wolf aviators leaning back against the wheels of their respective machines, swapping stories like old friends to the gentle tink, tink, tink of cooling exhausts. The rumble of an ongoing barrage, perhaps twenty miles away, rolled around us in harmless, muffled thunder. Why, I stammer, how, did you, did you find another wolf to bite you? The Baron doesn't respond right away. He takes a swig from a little silver hip flask, then tosses it across to me. I think, perhaps, the why is the more important part. Let me ask you, Cooper, how long have you been in the military? Ha! I take a sip from the flask. Cherry brandy, no less. And it's even the low-alcohol variety, brewed especially for wolves. The Baron has a refined palate. I never was a military man, even before I became a wolf. I was just good at flying, and, um, our side, the humans, that is, they found a way to make me do what they wanted. They threatened my mate and our cub. Scheisse, I am sorry. He stares up at the sky and sighs heavily. My own story is a little different. I was always for the services. Cadet at eleven, and then the cavalry, and then finally the Luftkreiskräfte. I was a singularly poor pilot at first, but, well, I did improve. He reaches a paw to his furry chest, and then hesitates, and laughs. See that? Going for a cigarette. Some of the human vase die hard. Not for me, they didn't, I think. But of course, by the time of my transformation, I was already long lost to a pair of shining golden eyes. I tossed the Baron his flask of brandy. Well, he goes on, sipping and then putting out his long wolf tongue to wipe his lips. It was all pretty exciting at first. The rush of speeds, the freedom of the sky, I'm sure you know. But those times, they didn't last. The fall back down and I started losing friends. You all did. The Baron's words tumble faster now, and his English, hitherto impeccable, starts to clog with a dark Teutonic misery. I saw Volker go. He was the best of us, but he got so hung out, bedrucked. If we kept flying anyway, clipped a friendly aircraft in midair, bashed his head in when he crashed, a stupid, pointless death. The next day, Shimmer's fuel tank took a hit at 3,000 feet. He bailed out, already burning, already screaming, and I watched him fall like that all the way to the ground. I'd given a speech at his wedding just a week before. He was 21 years old. His muzzle quivers. He makes as if to uncork the flask again, thinks better of it, and tries to set it down. It topples over anyway. He gives another shuddering side. Nyaa! It just kept going on like that. None of us could see any end to it, although I suppose the way I organized the Yastas helped a bit. But then the Commodore came to me one day with a proposition. I suppose he'd heard how good wolves could be up in the air. He thought there was a chance for air superiority, for a decisive blow. It would shorten the war, he said. If only he could find the right wolf for the job. But, of course, the German wolves had all said no. 
decline to do the work themselves, decline to bite any of the human flyers. But the corporal, you see, he had gotten a hold of the secret stash of Zerum. Ah. Yeah, he knew me all too well, you see. He knew I'd carry on fighting, even as a wolf, anything to help end the war. And here I am. I blink and lean back on my plane, the struts of the landing gear reassuringly firm against my haunch. The Baron's Koffel had been wrong. He hadn't shortened the war at all. He'd just opened up a new front, a brand new arms race, with wolves sucked in and at its lethal cutting edge. The clean separation of wolf and human worlds, it was blurring. The wolf sitting just across from me had killed a score of allied airmen in a span of three short weeks. I myself had just dispatched one of the Baron's fellow flyers. That man I just killed, I whisper then. You must tell me, who was he? Oh, the other wolf shifts uneasily. Poor fellow, he was actually one of the older ones of us. These days, if you get to 28 like he did, you're a veteran. He raised a paw to run along the nose cone of his plane, as if he might find some small solace there. A sweet-tempered man, never a harsh word, and he loved to see the other pilots learn. A fine, fine flyer, but no real temperament for the kill. His name was Gassinger. My vision blurs. I feel my ears fall flat. I feel my body shake. I can't hold back the tears, and once they start, they just don't stop. I feel for the goggles lying by my side, still smeared with my dead instructor's blood, and fling them as hard as I can away from me. Ah, you knew him before. Oh, Lieber Gott. Oh, Cooper. Silence falls between us. How long it lasts, I couldn't say. But eventually, and very quiet. If only a handful of the human leaders could be werewolves, nine. Less fighting, more talking. Everybody wins. I blink and blink again and feel my ears come slowly up. Whitehall, London, June 23rd, 1917, 211 a.m. Trenchard. Trenchard, wake up, man. His reaction to my wolfish form living close above his face is not unreasonable, but I can't be having any antics. As he tries to squirm away, I clamp one paw across his mouth and use the other to pin his chest firmly to the bed. Not gonna kill you. Not gonna hurt you. You understand? We need to talk. And now. And I don't want any screaming. Got it? Not if you understand. London's under blackout against the air raids, but I catch the whites of his eyes flashing up at me anyway, wide in the meager starlight. Eventually, he nods. Radio, going to take my paws away now, so just remember what we said about the screaming, right? And don't even think about trying to get away from me. I know you're down along already, that old war injury of yours. You know you couldn't take me, let alone my friend over there as well. His eyes flick across the room, and I feel his body twitch as he catches the eye shine of the other wolf, who's currently leaning quietly against the door. Slowly, Trenchard's scent shifts from panic to puzzlement and anger. I release my paws, and with that, 
Trenchard grits his teeth and snarls. Cooper, I don't know what you think you're doing, but right now you're looking at a very nasty court-martial that'll probably end up with you hanged. His voice drips with indignant venom, but I'm in way too deep to care, and so I keep the smile in my voice when I reply. Except I'm not actually under your command, now am I? I never was, not officially. Wainwright over there, well, he might be a different case, but now that he's a wolf, I'd say that that was a pretty gray area legally. We thought you were dead. We found your plane. Ah, yes. Sorry about that. Terrible shame to burn her. You burnt your own plane? Why, in heaven's name? Do you have any idea how short we are of SE5s? Yes. Yes, I do. Acutely aware, in point of fact, it's one of the reasons why so many British airmen are still dying in France, week after week. But it was a necessary deception. If it's any consolation, the Germans are down a plane as well. We burnt the Baron's V-strutter right after my SE-5. The Red Baron? Trenchard is properly incredulous now. He's silent for a moment, before deciding to try a different tack. He's ballsy, I'll give him that. Do I even have to ask about the half-dozen MPs who were supposed to be guarding this facility? Oh, yes, I should have said. They're temporarily unavailable, I'm afraid. Don't worry, they're unharmed, but when they wake up, they'll find that all their sidearms are mysteriously missing. Cooper, Wainwright growls at me. The time, the time. Oh, right. So, Trenchard, here's the thing. I put a paw upon his shoulder and moved my muzzle very close. Werewolves didn't start this war, but we are going to be the ones who end it. That's just too much for him. His lip curls and he scoffs. What? Just you and Wainwright, was it, over there? No. It'll be me and Wainwright and about 30,000 other werewolves who've been rotting in your damned facilities all across the country. You let security get pretty lax. Too many fine young men dead in Flanders' fields to guard us properly, I suppose. It's actually more straightforward than you'd think to plan all of this. I brushed the backs of my fingers along his jugular, letting him feel the nudge of my claws. And to coordinate with what the Red Baron's up to right at this moment across in Germany from the Kaiser down. He sucks in a sharp breath, apprehensive now. What? New leaders, ones who think talking about our differences is a strength and not a weakness. Ones who are just as sick of the bloodletting as all the poor bloody infantry. We're targeting the top-end military, the House of Commons, House of Lords, even the royal family. Trenchard sets his jaw. What you'll get, he snarls, is civil war. Maybe, I shrug my broad wolf shoulders. Possibly. But on balance, I think not. I think you underestimate just how much all of these poor sods in the trenches are done with mud and slaughter. How many towns and villages across Europe would like at least some of their young men returned to them? Oh, and besides, we're also taking charge of all the capital ships and all the major arsenals. That shuts them up, for a few seconds anyway. There'll be no tyranny, Trenchard. Wolves just aren't wired up that way. But we also won't be used. Not anymore.
Targeting, he mutters at last, is what you said, but assassinating is what you meant. I blink. Spooking him was never part of the plan. Sorry, poor choice of words. I take a step back from him. I meant it when I said I wasn't here to harm you, Trenchard. You've always treated me with courtesy. Time for me to do the same for you. I'm offering you a choice tonight, right here, right now. He squints at me, shaking his head minutely. A choice? Sure. You can walk out of here, human, in which case, please understand that I won't be running any errands for you anymore. But I'd much rather work with you, try to make this world a better place for men and werewolves both. Trenchard is silent, staring. He hasn't understood what it is I'm offering. Eventually, Wainwright pipes up, exasperated. He means his equals, as wolf and wolf together. I assure you, sir, it won't hurt all that much. His teeth are very sharp. Trenchard gasps, his nostrils flaring. His scent is richly layered with doubt and possibility. I take another step away, letting him consider. Perhaps I should have let Wainwright handle the talking from the start. Werewolves didn't start the war. However, one way or another, we would be ending it. This was the second and final part of Jaeger by Anhedral, read for you by Crimson Ruari, the Mountain Smith. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a story that you think would be a good fit, you can get in touch with me at at Doggy on Twitter and Telegram. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog. <laughs>